All right. So we just rolled out of inventory. We're going to talk a little bit more about this fifth step, and then Michael's going to talk about six and seven. So if you're following along in the book, we're on page 72. If you want to play. All right. So on 72, it says, Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? We've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. We've admitted certain defects, ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is, put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. This requires action on our part, which when completed will mean we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defects. So it's letting me know up front, what is the goal? What is it that we're trying to do? I'm trying to get a new attitude, new relationship with my creator, and to see what has been standing in my way this entire time. And we've already agreed that it's self manifested in various ways, and we've been able to see that. So when I sit down with me, God, and a sponsor who's able to see the truth, something else happens. And I've got that, I've got that three-legged stool set up in such a way that if I, if I eliminate any of that, it's absolutely going to fall. And there's a reason for that. It says, we think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There's doubt about that. And don't you think that way sometimes? Well, I see it, so that's good. No. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Why? A couple, couple different reasons. One, there's zero humility in me admitting to me what I think I see. <laughs> zero humility in that. Two, it will never get me to the truth. It will never get me to the specifics because I think I see all there is to see and I'm wrong until I sit down with somebody else who's able to point those things out. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. Then they're going to give us a couple reasons of why that is. It says the best reason first. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. It's a pretty good reason. Pretty good. If I haven't gotten it all down honestly on paper and sit down with another human being so that I can see the facts, it's possible that I'm going to pick up a drink again. It's a pretty good reason. And even if I don't and I'm able to maintain for some period of time, I stay in the delusion that I've lived in my entire life. And that bondage itself gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Right? It says, time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Anybody else do that? Anybody else in here a hider? I'll let you see what I'm willing to present, but I'm going to keep everything else in my back pocket and not let you see. And they're going to go on to talk about that double life and what that looks like. Um, and sometimes we do that. Um, I want to hide who I really am because why? I've been doing it my entire life. Even though it doesn't work, I want to continue to do that. And what this step is asking me to do is set aside my ego and put it all out there on the table for somebody else to see. Um, says so trying to avoid these humbling, this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. That's the truth. It says they took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they'd lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they'd humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty. Here's the key in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. Right? Other people can get away with ducking and dodging details and presenting a stage character or half truths or omitting certain facts. But it says, in the sense that we find it necessary, meaning the recovered alcoholics who wrote this book. You don't get well when you do the half-measure stuff. But it's always the tendency. And you see that a lot of times. Why? Because half-measures works in a lot of different areas. True? 
Anybody else show up for school, sort of prepared, sort of not, and still pass the class? Show up for work, do half-ass of a job, and still get it, the project signed off on? There's lots of areas that you can do half measures in. Step work is not one of them. It's just not. It says the result was nil until I let go absolutely, meaning I put forth all the effort and did all the work on the front end. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Now, that's what inventory is going to show me is who I've really been, not the stage character. It says he's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. That is a very isolative place to be, is it not? That I'm all inside myself, knowing the truth, and I'm presenting any face that you need to see to the rest of the world. With you people, I'm one way. With you people, I'm another. With you, I've got a different mask, and I know exactly how to play every single one of them. Isn't that why we get here so tired? I think it's because I've been drinking too long. The truth is I've been running game too long, and it takes a lot of energy to pull all those strings and keep all the stories straight and keep all the people from speaking to one another and putting clues together. It's a lot of energy presenting those different stage characters. At the bottom it says he's under constant fear and tension. That makes for more drinking. And guys, let me be clear with you. It's possible to do this in sobriety. This is not just about I'm loaded, presenting a stage character, and then I sober up and I'm afraid you're going to find out what I've said and done. You can do this sober, present the stage character. How many times do you see people walk in the doors and you say, Hey, haven't seen you in a while. How are you? Fine. Really? Hadn't heard from you in two months. This is your home group. Nobody's seen you. Your sponsor doesn't know where you are and you're fine. Really? But rather than set aside the ego and go, hey, been in a bad spot. Not been well. Not fallen. No. We'll say, fine. All is well. You will stay sick doing that unless you admit what's really going on. Who you really been. At the, second, at the bottom of page 73, the second reason, it says we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. It didn't say I'm going to come in and dump a fifth step in the middle of a meeting, but I've got to get honest with somebody. Somebody has to know all the facts about who I really am, and that's going to be my sponsor. Why? Because that's the person that understands what I'm driving at. That's the person that understands what it is that, that we're trying to accomplish in this fifth step. Now, could I find somebody on the street and tell them everything? and share inventory with them? Sure, I could do that, but it's not going to get me to the truth. It won't get me to the specifics, and if I can't get there, it doesn't matter. Like we said earlier, fact-finding, fact-facing. You've got to have somebody who understands what you're doing. It talks about it being an intimate and confidential step, which means that what happens between me, God, and my sponsor is going to stay at that table, is going to stay in that room and go no further. How selfish of me to repeat something that I hear in a fist step. Don't do that. It, it loses its confidentiality. It loses its intimacy just like that. And you'll lose the confidence of that alcoholic that you're trying to help. That's not what it's about. We're not here to, to, to share that kind of stuff. It's hard enough to be honest on paper and then with another human being without somebody compromising that. Okay. So it talks about... Um, telling my story to someone who will understand yet be unaffected unaffected meaning not tied to the situation I'm not going to do a fist step with my mother I'm not going to do one with my sister they're affected by the situations and the drama and, and all those things in my life and they can't be objective I'm going to sit down with somebody who has zero ties to that who can show me the truth from an unemotional standpoint okay 
and this is this is what I'm trying to do it says the rule is we must be hard on ourselves but always considerate of others and while we're on this topic if you've got written inventory put it up put it somewhere you think they won't go looking for it oh no no they will look right all that you've been doing some shady weird stuff for a long time all of a sudden you've got paperwork with lots of facts written down you think they're not going to look for they will they're curious they're curious put it up I love to get a call from a woman and go, I can't believe he read it. And I'm like, oh, honey, I can't believe you left it out. <laughs> Crazy? Put it up. Don't burn it, but put it up. Okay? All right. So at the bottom it says, it's important that he be able to keep a confidence that he fully understand and approve what we are driving at. This is not about confession. They've got to understand what it is that we're trying to do. And a sponsor understands that because they've already done inventory with their sponsor, been shown the facts about their life, so they understand what it is that we're looking for. If you want to do your fist step also with a member of, of clergy or, or whoever, if you feel it necessary to do that, do it. Do it. That's fine. But you've got to do it again with somebody else who understands what we're driving at. Does that make sense? There's nothing wrong with doing it, but you've got to get with somebody that will show you the facts on this. Okay. So it says, we, when we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. And we've already got that date set, so we've got, the, we've got them sitting down and, and they know exactly when we're going to do this. We waste no time. We have a written inventory and prepared for a long talk. We explain to our partner what we are about to do and why we have to do it. You don't have to explain that to a sponsor because they already know. He should realize we're engaged on a life and death errand. And the truth is, that's on both ends. The sponsor needs to be here in inventory and working with others because that's what keeps them sober. Protege needs to be given inventory because they're trying to get to the truth, which will get them sober. Makes sense? It's on both ends that that's a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They will be honored by our confidence. So they've told us when to do it, who to do it with, and now they're going to tell us how. We pocket our pride and go to it illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. That's how you're going to do it. See, I'm a sugar coater. I'm a breeze over. I'm a, let me stick something in sideways between the conversation so that you don't notice what it is I've just said. That's not what this is about. It's about turning over every stone, uncovering every truth, and examining this so that I can see the reality behind it. Because I cannot afford to live in delusion any longer. I can't afford it. And I can't afford to keep things to myself. And sometimes we want to do that. I'll tell you all this stuff out here. I'll lay it all bare, but I'm going to keep those one or two things that you don't need to know about to myself and I promise you your secrets are not worth your sobriety they're just not and there's really not a whole lot you can say to shock a sponsor I mean I've heard some things that are way out there they are what they are I've said some things that are way out there they are what they are there was no answer I was waiting from for something it was that I needed to get it up off of me she needed to hear it We've said it in the presence of God, now we're moving on. And the truth is, those, that sickness that you're trying to cling to so tight to your chest, if you'll lay it bare, it'll be for somebody else. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Those things that I never, ever want to speak out loud, and I for sure don't want to say in front of another person, guarantee you they will be effective for somebody else. And until you have that experience, it doesn't sound like that would be the truth, but it absolutely is. So... I've sat down with the sponsor. We've looked at fourth column. I've seen how my fears are driving me. We kind of went through that when we looked at um, four-step inventory. But what I've got to see really is self will run riot. 
And later on in the book, it talks about my selfish and inconsiderate habits is what's kept my home, and you can fill in every area of my life, in turmoil. Because the delusion is it's about the bourbon. And if I can quit drinking, I can stop the drama and the chaos. And the problem is really not the bourbon, right? See, I, I think that if I can set this stuff down, then everything's going to be fine. But the problem is I'm self-will run riot drunk or sober. And that's the truth about who we are. So if I can see this, then I can understand even more the importance, more of the necessity of why I made that third step decision. Why do I need access to that power? Because I don't know how to live sober. That's the problem. So the fifth step promises is something that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. And it's some of my favorite stuff. It says once, once we have taken the step withholding nothing, we are delighted. It didn't say that we were delighted with what we saw. Because what I saw was a, a host of defects that um, were not great. <laughs> I didn't look at that and go, oh my God, I'm so excited that I'm so manipulative and so selfish and so jealous. And so, No, I wasn't delighted with what I saw, but I was delighted to see the truth from somebody that's been drunk for a long time, running from the facts and the truth to see it on black and white. And it was, you couldn't negate it any longer. That's where that comes from. And nobody died. My sponsor didn't judge me. She didn't pass out. It wasn't the drama that I made it in my mind. And the freedom begins to seep in. It says we can look the world in the eye. Anybody else spend a lot of time shuffling around looking at their boots? Can't look you in the eye because I'm afraid you'll see right through me. The ability to look at people, connect with people, and be okay, even briefly, my God. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. Because you know what? Some of you come in here having had some experience with God, having had a relationship with God, having had a, a concept that worked, but you didn't have access to it. So now we're shifting gears from the belief in God that you had before you got here to the access of the power of God. These are very different things. And those of you that have had no experience with God, no relationship, no concept, now we begin to have an experience that we've never touched before. So it doesn't matter where you come in on that scale. The point is, it's going to shift gears. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. We feel we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Now, I'm not saying that every single one of these is going to come true immediately, effective, having closed the book and finished your fist step, but they come true. Some of them may come on stronger for some of you in different parts, but the point is they all develop. They all come to fruition. Be alone at perfect peace and ease. Do you remember that? Some of you that have been through the work and it's been a minute since you've had a drink, do you remember that? Couldn't be alone at perfect peace and ease without the mind chatter? Couldn't shut it down long enough? Always having to turn the radio up? Always having to have the TV? Always having to have something because you couldn't just be? Right? Trying to explain this to a newcomer that this is what this is going to be like, they will never know until they do it and have the experience of being able to be at home and not have to have something going 100 miles an hour and can just sit and be still. I remember in early sobriety and people would say things like, just be. You just need to be. And I thought, you are high. What are you talking about? How can I just be? Because I couldn't stand to be in my own mind. Now all of a sudden I've gotten clear on some things 
and as the more that gets cleared out from me, it opens up the gap for more of the power of God to flow in. But I sure didn't understand that when I did it. I came in with a papers, some inventory shaken, sitting down with a sponsor, seeing some things about myself that were not great. That was the experience. And then she showed me the truth. And I went, oh, my God, now I know what I'm working with. Now I can see the facts. So it's going to show up how it shows up on you. Your fifth step will be what it's going to be. But it's not something to be fretted over and to be feared. And a lot of times we're trying to scare the newcomer about doing this fourth and fifth step. If you do it like the book outlines, just the simplicity, the facts, the truth, you can walk away free. Because if you go into this deal with the idea of I'm willing to see, I'm willing to see anything that's there, then you can accept responsibility and walk away. If you go in justifying wanting to tell the backstory. And as a sponsor, you better figure it out quick. The more they talk, the less they're hearing, right? You want to talk about one of the resentments and they're trying to give you the details and the preface and the backstory and the, you don't understand. And we're, this was the situation and it shut them down, shut them down. Because if they can't see the truth, they will never get free. And do the details really matter? Not really. Not really. And when, when you need to slide down to that fourth column and see the truth, because that's what's important. And they want to spend a lot of time in the first three columns, and that's not where it's at. The freedom is in seeing the truth. Does that make sense? What do you got on the fifth step? I know you got lots of fun stuff. Well, I look at it as a sponsorship, because they said that, you know, there were some qualifications for you sitting as a sponsor and listening to someone's fifth step. And it said it's a you understand and approve of what the first 100 are driving at and that you don't change their plan. You have to meet that qualification right there. Well, I keep hearing that the newcomers got to hear their truth. If they don't hear their truth, what? it's great, but someone please fill me in on what that truth is. Well, if you remember me going through that third step and I kind of glazed over pages and I said, the newcomer's not going to see it. They're going to see it in everyone else. Well, the truth about their resentments is page 62. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. The truth. Were they the victim or were they not? Bill's resentment at his employer. His boss may have been unjust, over, overbearing, and threatening to fire him, but did he put himself in a position to be hurt by drinking on the job and stealing? Absolutely. That's the truth. Is Bill the victim in this, that he's just got a lousy boss? No. He created this. I'll give you another example. How about someone coming to you and something bad happened to them as a child? As it happened to them as a child, were they the victim? It's a great question. Absolutely. I grew up in an alcoholic family. I have vivid recollections of, of being four years old in the middle of a war zone of emotional and physical abuse. Did I ask for that to happen? Did I sign up to be in that family? Did I place myself in a position to be hurt? No. But here's where some details are important. Because as a sponsor, you need to listen. 
because what they say can and will be used against them in this misstep. Because me acting a fool at 32 years old going, this is why I get to act the way I'm acting because my dad was horrible up until I was 12 years old and treated everyone in the house just horribly and that's why I get to act a fool at 32 years old when my dad's been sober since 1930 or 1976. Now, am I being selfish? Am I being dishonest? Absolutely. Am I using it as a weapon? Absolutely. See, now I'm getting to the truths about these resentments, the truths about the fears. What is the truth? How well has your self-reliance been able to solve your problems? How many bad decisions did you make as a result of a fear? Anybody made some really bad decisions based on fear? As, as a sponsor walking someone through a fear inventory, my job is to look at their self-reliance and look at what they do because you know what? The truth about a fear is not what you do. What are we praying for in a fear? Perhaps there's a better way. It's not about what you do as self-reliance. It's about who are you going to be during this fear? Because the prayer doesn't ask, God, please remove this fear and direct my attention of what I should do. Because my actions don't mean anything. I can be a selfish, dishonest person and be in the middle of a fear and my actions be completely above board as a result of this fear, but I'm still left with who? Me. And I still am who I am and I'm still going to have catastrophe happening in front of me. So yes, fear is going to be there, but it's all about who I am because if I'm being who God wants me to be, what are my actions going to do? going to follow suit. But if I'm not who I'm supposed to be and I'm trying to act like someone I'm not, it's a recipe for disaster. Welcome to the truths about what these fears are. In, these, in this relationship stuff, the questions you have to ask yourself is, how long would you put up with you doing what you did to them? Each and every one of you better be shaking your head sideways. Because I know you wouldn't put up with it, anyone that was like you. And the other question you have to look at is now stepping aside and stepping outside of what you've done to this individual, that's great. Can I do it to your daughter? Can I do it to your mom? Can I do it to your sister? Can I treat them like you have now treated this individual? Am I going to be dealing with you? Heck yes. See, I can't be living by two different rule books when it comes to the relationship cosmic rule books. I get mine and I get to treat all of God's children like I want to, but all of God's children better treat the people I care about in a certain way. Living by those two different rule books is going to cause complete and utter disaster. And that's my job is to point out what the truth is. See, because if it was just confession, me giving you my side of, you know what, yeah, I treated her bad, but you know what, there's a big old butt hanging off there. But if she didn't do this, I wouldn't have done that and this and that. No, this isn't about their inventory. What's it about? It's about our inventory. About what we're doing. Because remember, it's all getting back to left round devices as we're trying to live like this. Can you stay away from alcohol? 
fact of the matter is no. And see, if I turn this fifth step into anything other than it is, and if I turn that fourth step into anything other than it is, I'm never going to get to the truth, and I'm never going to understand what plan I'm trying to guide them to. And if I don't know what's in this book, how will I ever get them to the truth? And if someone hasn't walked you through a fifth step that got you to these points in this book, probably need to go have sit down with someone who knows it before you start trying to walk someone else through it because there is no faking this till you make it at all and there's nothing more confusing than someone laying out a story to you and you're sitting back going oh no bless your heart because mm. you're going to kill an alcoholic and it never hurts to bring someone in if you get in over your head Again, sponsorship is critical. Have that person say, you know what, I have no experience on this. Do you mind if I bring my sponsor into this? Because you know what? This is serious. <coughs> Pretending you know is so dangerous. And when you start looking through the eyes of how do I carry someone through this, it's scary. You know, when you're carrying someone through their first fist step, anybody remember the first time you took someone through a fist step? an uneasy moment walking into it you're like the last thing you want to do is hurt any more people in your world and here you've got this fragile little alcoholic that they're about to go off and they're on the clock and my job is to help them get to God and find their truth and if I start pretending it's a disaster waiting to happen and hopefully you got all that on her microphone sorry <laughs> I, I all of a sudden I looked up and he's waving at me I am so sorry um, but you know that's where it gets so critical and the last thing I'll say about a fifth step hopefully someone took the time out of their day to take you through a fifth step and didn't shortchange you. By God, don't. I'll meet you 45 minutes before the meeting and we'll do your fifth step. Because I hope no one did that to you. But it's amazing how quick, as a sponsor, all of a sudden my little life becomes full of all those other affairs, and all of a sudden I'm trying to shoehorn someone in to hear their fifth step, and I'm shortchanging them. I'm doing it at 9.30 at night, and they're supposed to go home and do an hour, which odds about to cover. And I'm supposed to be talking to them afterwards, and I have to be up at 5.30 that next morning. Responsible sponsorship. This is where it all comes into play. And Don't sell someone short. This may be their only chance to get this. And we forget this. This may be the only moment in time that they have an opportunity where they can pull together the desperation and the willingness. And you're there at that perfect time. And all of a sudden you shortchange them and try to start modifying. And that's where it gets really dangerous. But if I actually follow this, those are some pretty amazing promises. Especially for a guy, you could torture me by sending me to my room because I was not alone at perfect peace and ease. And now I've taken that to a whole new level. 
It's amazing to be okay inside your own skin. You know, and, and that's what's so critical about this fifth step, and it's not a confession. My God, if you turn it into a confession, since when did throwing up on someone ever help you? All of a sudden, just blah, you know, all of the stuff that you've got going on inside your head and you wrote it down and you regurgitated it all over somebody. Walking away, you may get a little relief. It's like taking an aspirin for a broken leg. It may cut it a little, but eventually you're still left with a broken leg. i got to get down to the causes and conditions and the truths, and that's why this is so important. It's just so critical. And as a result, look at... Look at what comes out of this work. I mean, that's some amazing promises. Amazing stuff. So. Absolutely. And <laughs> written inventory is the truth as I see it. Not necessarily the truth as it is, as it stands. So some of us come in ready to plead our case, as John would say. <laughs> you don't understand. Listen to what they've done. But a responsible sponsor will turn the tables on you and drive home the truth that Michael talked about, that my problems are of my own making. And it's that simple. But when you get real complicated and real into all the nonsense, you can get lost. And somebody can tell you a story that will make you feel sorry for them. And if you're, it's not ingrained in you to look for the defects and it's not ingrained in you to look for fourth column, you can fall victim to feeling sorry for that person. And it's not that some of us don't have some sad stories, because my God, we do. But I've got to see where I set the ball rolling. I've got to see where problems were in my own making. And you have to be willing to make yourself uncomfortable to do that. Because it's sure not comfortable to tell somebody who's been molested at three years old and they're 27 now that they're selfish. When everybody their whole life is, oh, baby, I'm so sorry. It's uncomfortable to have to say, I understand that happened to you as a child and you weren't a victim, comma. However, now at 27, you're a martyr and using it as a trump card. Of, this is why I get to drink and use and act however I want to. But you have to be willing to do that. And it's, it, you know, like I said, it's sure not comfortable, but this does not have to be that complicated. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. If you can keep that simple truth in mind, you can hear inventory all day long. It doesn't matter whose it is. You'll be able to see that stuff as it pops up. All right. So it says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. It's a precise direction. Carefully reviewing what we've done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. So there's my fifth step prayer. Now, why is it that I could know God better having done a fifth step? Well, I just saw who I was for the very, very first time, some of us gotten honest about the facts and the truth and seen something in a different light. Now I'm clear on what I'm working with. I can know God better. Right? So taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we have omitted anything. For we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Am I hanging on? So I'm going to go back. I'm going to look at that. What are the first five proposals? Am I crystal clear on this stuff? Do I understand? Have I made the commitment? Was I honest in inventory? Did I get it all out? Or am I hanging on to something? Did I carve something out that I don't want to be honest about? Um, and there are times that that's going to come up in that hour that you spend with God. Something's going to be brought to your attention. And that's a time in which you can call your sponsor 
let them know. Or if you're in the same place as your sponsor, like Michael's story is like that, here's what happened, and then get clear on it. I've had to do that. Get clear on it, and then go back. Right? It's not worth it to try to hang on to something. And like I said earlier, omission and forgetting are two very different things. There are huge things that I had forgotten for years. And as I remembered them, I got honest about them. But in that time, I didn't know. I didn't know. But you, you will know the difference. It'll be that gnawing at you. I know I got honest about everything, but I'm trying to hold on to something. It will gnaw at you if you do that. It says for we're building an arch that you're going to walk through free at last. Hmm. It's a pretty big deal. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? What am I really working with here? Have I laid it all out the way it's supposed to be? Or am I shortchanging myself? Because nobody else is getting hurt. If I sponsor you and you lie to me in inventory, I still walk free and clear. I still don't drink. I still sleep at night. You're shortchanging you. See how that works? So is it? Are the stones properly in place? Anything less than what they've asked us to do up until this point is a demonstration I have a better idea. And if you do, you won't walk free and clear. You just won't. So I've got to get crystal clear on what those points are.